Well, you know, it, it just happens, Jonathan, uh, that we just had, um, I had the last of the chicken thigh with your special uh, cherry barbecue sauce on it. Um, oh, wonderful. It, this is, listeners, this is Jonathan. The middle name is Milo, which is um, Mexican in origin, and Leal, which is um, Spanish, meaning loyal, is his last name. And the company is Milo's Whole World Gourmet. Um, Jonathan, tell us a little bit about, have you been long in the specialty food industry? Oh, my God, I feel like I've been here 100 years. <laughs> it's a tough bracket. Yeah, it's tough. It is. Yeah, it is a tough bracket. I've been doing this for 20 years now. I've, I've, I've taught some classes at the fancy food shows and do a lot of mentoring with small companies and have made every mistake in the book over those years. So, you know, I, I spent a lot of time trying to help other folks, you know, avoid those sorts of things. So, yeah, yeah, I've been, oh, I've been around, right. the, around the block a couple of times here. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, I mean, we've, we've found you because you just won um, a gold for, for this uh, ketchup, right? We did, and I've been entering for 20 years, and my husband calls me the Susan Lucci of the Sophie Awards, and I finally <laughs> won one. <laughs> well, he, he's, he's, the, he's the funny thing, people. You, you said, you said your, your ancestors were Mexican immigrants, mm -hmm. but, it was a, mm -hmm. but it was a fairly long time ago. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. back in the 1800s. Yeah, back before oh, that, there was, a, I think, an actual time. border between Texas. That's a long, that's a long time ago. It was. Well, it absolutely Jonathan, was. how did you end up in this business? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I did uh, back in 20 years ago. I got an MBA and thought I was going to go do something in the business world. And then, you know, I was going to travel. I was going to do all sorts of interesting stuff. And then 9-11 happened. <laughs> and 9-11 changed everything. Um, so I ended up staying in the town where I got my three degrees and all the debt that goes with them. <laughs> and oh, no. uh, decided, decided to start getting into the world of cooking and sauces. And there's a, there's a terrific uh, small business incubator here called AceNet. And AceNet uh, provided the infrastructure to sort of get the business off the ground and to get started. Uh, but so what, one thing what just, made you launch into this? I mean, why? I would say it was a complete obliviousness to how difficult it was going to be. <laughs> you know, I try to talk a lot of people out of getting into this now if they're not really ready for, you know, what's, what's coming at them because it's, it's a lot more work and it's a lot more cost than a lot of people uh, today. Oh, it's to, terrible. To yeah. It, 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 can, it can be overwhelming. So, you know, I, I joke yeah. with people that if you're not willing to put your mortgage, your marriage, and your mental health on the line, then go away. You know, walk away because it, it it will test all three of those at one point or another. It, it's sort of like the what they say about um, how how the own a vineyard. What what what's the exact wording of that, Robert? If you want to make if you want to make two million dollars in in the wine business, you start with five. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they said something about that with the Bitcoin or the, the whatever crash that happened with that. Oh, with that's that one what guy. that's too. Yeah. yeah, it was like it's like how do you make a? How, oh no, it's Twitter. It's like how do you how do you make how do you make a, how do you make a billion dollars with Twitter? Well, you start with forty four billion. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I actually know people that that made money on um, Bitcoin. Um, oh, made really? a lot of money on Bitcoin, but that was, you know, that was timing and something else, I guess. <laughs> well, so, they, they were they were in the restaurant business, right? You know what? Oh, really? No, that, that he didn't get into the restaurant business until after he made all that cash and had no idea. What to do with it? He bought all that property and had no idea what to do with that either. <laughs> Anyhow, mm-hmm. um, so all right, you, the, what was your first product? So we started out with some sauces, and you know they were pretty boring tomato sauces, you know pasta sauces. Uh, and so I did. A, I actually did a focus group for my MBA days, and my French. I, I, I got a degree in French, and my first professor was there, and he's like, you know, you need to do this the French way, and put wine in them. So we put wine in them. Someone came up with the name Vino de Milo, which is a cute play on words, and that became our main brand actually for about 15 years. But we we basically made everything with a with a splash of wine. Um, yeah. However, none of those products had any sugar in them. And what do we know about Americans and sugar? <laughs> oh, right. So right. they sold okay, but they sold okay. They, but then when we bought brown, Brownwood Farms, man, Brownwood Farms recipes have a lot of sugar in them, which is what makes them taste good, you know. And so it, it, it was pretty remarkable, the, the difference in how much stuff would sell when you had recipes with sugar. And it's, it's a terrible thing to say, I think, at the end of the day. It's but worse than the UK true. if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Oh, yeah. you have no idea about sweet. Um, Peter has a cousin who went to dessert school. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Not dessert wow. school, dessert camp. I'm sorry, dessert camp. Oh, my gosh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. I love desserts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So, um, anyhow, so um, you set off uh, and... And you, you learned a lot by making mistakes. Is that the story? That's correct. I actually taught a class at one of the fancy food shows on the top ten mistakes beginning manufacturers make uh, with uh, my friend Ian Kelleher, who founded uh, Peeled Snacks back in the day. We both were founding entrepreneurs who both made a lot of mistakes, so it was a very uh, very interesting class, and we got a lot of questions from a lot of people. But yeah, there's and I was like, when they told us we we're going to do a class on the top ten, I was like, just ten. <laughs> like, how about a hundred? You know. Yeah. Um, so, um, did, when you went into this, I mean, did you have some idea since you were an MBA person uh, about um, how far you wanted to take it? I mean, yeah, I was, of course, very moon-eyed at the beginning and thought I was going to be conquering the world in my first year sort of thing. And then reality hit and I found out, you know, this is actually a lot harder to do than it initially appears. But I have grit and tenacity, and I kept at it, and we're now 20 years, 20 years in. We've consolidated all of our products under just the Brownwood Farms brand, which does really, really well for us. And we're now doing a ton of co-packing as well. So we're just we're growing and thriving, and it's it's sort of a – Strange roller coaster ride some days. Now, now your your raw materials. Mm-hmm. Do your raw materials come from Ohio and Michigan, or do they? They do well. They come from we call it, they come from the Great Lakes region. So most of our raw materials come from the Great Lakes uh, region. So like cherries come from Michigan, tomatoes come from Ohio, you know that sort of thing. So we do a lot of a lot of local sourcing. So I mean, what percentage of your business um, do you? Uh, do as a co-packer and what percentage of your business do you do as a creator 
for Disney? You know, that's a great question. Um, last year it was about 50-50. Uh, probably by next year it's going to be like 25% branded and 75% co-packing, I would guess. Oh, really? um, we have we just we, well yeah about a about a year or two ago during the whole COVID um, era, we got a, a loan we got an idle loan from the SBA uh, for a million dollars to build our own plant to be able to dramatically increase our production and so that just came online a few months ago and so we're still you know working out the kinks but uh, we have dramatically increased how much we can we can generate now which is good for, this, for everything. This has been a great learning experience for you. What, uh, what that specifically? What, what, what you described, I mean, getting in the co-packing business. Mm-hmm. Learning it has, yeah. Go, teaching people at yep. the Fancy Food Show how to do it, but not telling them too much. <laughs> well, yeah, you've you got to keep some secrets back, right, at the end of the day. Um, but, you know, you can certainly say, hey, you've got to watch out for this, that, or the other, and make sure that you're being smart about business. Well, but how did you get a leg up on this, um, the, the farm, um, what, what's it called? Uh, Roundwood Farms. Well, they initially yeah. had contacted us to do some co-packing, and then um, the owners then at the time it. up there, it, it's a long story, but they decided to, to close the company. Um, and, and we were very interested in the products and what they had and thought it was a good fit for our capabilities. So we bought the company and brought the production down here, and it just really just took off from there. Well, I mean, you, you, um, your products are really very good. I mean, where did this... Pardon? I said, I appreciate that. I have a really good product. Well, I'm, I'm wondering where all this expertise came from. Oh, I have very good people who work for me and I've worked with for years and one of them who actually developed that dill pickle ketchup that won the Sophie Award for best. Yeah, that's a knockout thing, product, by the way. It, it, it's amazing. You open it and it just smells like a jar of dill pickles. You know, it's just Yeah, remarkable. and what I don't understand is why somebody else didn't figure it out before you did because it's like a natural. Well, some I think there's one or two that have tried out there, but I don't, they're, I mean, there's, this is just head and shoulders above the above what if there is anything out there because it's just it's so well done. So the you know the chef uh, product developer who did that for me you know when she started working for me she had really no food experience and she's been with me since day one and in those twenty years she is just she can reverse engineer anything. Now she she's a chef. A she's you, a chef. She's a yeah yeah she's a chef. She's somebody who can taste something and tell you what's in it. You know, like every ingredient oh, that's that's great. sort of thing. Yeah, and that's and that's like I do not have that skill <laughs> like yeah. at all. You know, I'm like, oh well, let's see. I taste ketchup. You know, she's like, no, let me tell you the ten other things that are in there, right? <laughs> now, the, the funny thing is, ch- cherry seems seems like a great product line, but I've never heard it applied in barbecue sauce before. So. So who came up with yeah, that you know, that's what, idea? That, well, that came. That was part of the company that we purchased. That was already. Oh, okay. That okay. was already the, part of the IP that we got when we got that company. So that was already that was already there. But it's a great idea because you know we ten times a week I get co-pack people to say I want to you know I want you to make my barbecue sauce and I'm like well what makes it different you know what's unique about it that's separate from you know the five thousand other barbecue sauces out there. You know, having one that's fruit-based um, and it's just amazing flavor is is really a unique calling card. Now, do you Wait. do you actually grow it? I mean, I mean, Northern Michigan is is well known. Cherry, for, uh, yeah, sour mm-hmm. cherries. It, 
that's where the cherry. Well, I mean, we don't grow them, but we the uh, the cherries we, we buy them from. We 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 buy them from uh, you know from from uh, farmer packers up in that area. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to school in Ann Arbor, and a lot of my classmates were from the Upper Peninsula. Uh, I love Ann Arbor, one of my favorite cities. It really, it's gotten so different. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Oh, has it really? Has it changed a lot over over the time? Well, it's so big now. It's huge. I mean, mm-hmm. but, um, but are you yeah. friends with the Zingerman people? Uh, I wouldn't say we're friends, but I've been there many times. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I <laughs> lived on that stuff. Oh, yeah, my I gosh. Who doesn't? And they, they they really know what they're doing when it comes to choosing to choosing food. The town that we're in, actually, Athens, Ohio, has sometimes been called, you know, a mini Ann Arbor, which is it's so unique in terms of, you know, there's so many, there's like 200 organic farms around here. We have a vibrant food uh, food scene. It's just lots of local restaurants. It's a, it's a great town. Yeah, there was one that, that was a mainstay when I was there that just closed. I was rather surprised. I can't remember what it's called now. It's in Ann Arbor, you mean? In Ann Arbor, right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I was not actually looking forward to the cherry because I had this feeling it was going to be sweet like some of that southern barbecue stuff mm-hmm. and it's not it's perfectly balanced mm-hmm. she, she she asked me jonathan what 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 i put on what i put on the chicken and is that what you use and then it, yeah yeah i used the cherry barbecue sauce on the chicken it was very very good but and oh, was a doubter before she actually sampled it when i completed the cooking process uh-huh. Right. Yeah, it's, it's good just I was, getting ready. I, was, I was getting ready to go on the defensive. <laughs> <laughs> but you, it sounds like you didn't have to at the end of the day. No, I, I actually did, did, did have a little bit of another spicy product just, 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 in, just in case. He mixes things gotcha. up. <laughs> Oh, he does. Sounds like he got a chef in the household, too. Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) sure. Um, Now, in terms of of, um, other industry distinctions, you said you waited 20 years to get the Sophie, and you haven't been recognized by anybody else? We've got you now. We've won some Scobie awards and you know some and some other recognition in the press and that sort of thing. But as far as like industry recognition, uh, no. But you know, I had a business coach once upon a time that told gave me great advice back when I was like, you know, every year I would send in stuff and every year we wouldn't get, you know, we wouldn't win anything. And I had friends that were just like racking up the trophies. You know, I felt like that was a starlet in Hollywood and everyone else was winning and I wasn't getting anything right. And she said. You know, so I was like kind of complaining to her one day and she's like, you know what? She said, what, those awards are nice and, you know, they might help a little bit on sales. She said, but what really, really matters is that you make product that's good and that will sell and that will sell again. Exactly. She said, there's, exactly. She said there's, a, there's a lot of people that might have those trophies, but are they in business three years later? I mean, it might be weird and interesting and whatever, and they get an award for it and great, but that's not what keeps the company's doors open. Well, this is not that I'm not, trying, I'm not saying I'm not grateful to the specialty food. I love it. I love them. I love this award. I'm, I almost passed out when I got the email about it. And I'm thrilled. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Well, you're in good yeah. company with it. I mean, that's for sure. <laughs> no, um, I so, know. There are so yeah. many wonderful companies and products that have won that over the years. Were, right. were, were you at the show when, when they were handed out? It's not that oh, they're going to be doing a. 
they're going to be doing a presentation in I think July, uh, and so we might be we might be going yeah. to that. We we're not exhibiting, but we might be going for. You know, it's funny. The funny story on this: my sister handles our social media and a lot of this sort of thing, and. Um, I, you know, she, when this came up this year, she said, well, why don't we submit something? And I finally was like, I've done this for 19 years. I'm not doing it again. We're not that. I was just Mr. Negative. And she said, well, what if I do it? I said, if I don't have to lift a finger, I'm fine. You do whatever you want. I don't care. We're not going to win, right? Very negative. Nancy negative. And so she does, and then we get it. And I was just like, oh, my God, I could have knocked me over with a feather. So if it hadn't been for my sister saying, you know, I'm going to throw out these. We submitted, we have a dill pickle mustard that we sent that that didn't get, you know, didn't win anything. But we sent our both, both of our dill pickle products, you know. So maybe I think well, dill pickle is just, it's such a hot trend right now. I mean, there's a sonnet around the corner for me that's selling dill pickle slushies. Is that not the really? grossest thing you've ever heard of? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I happen to like dill pickles. I mean, I happen to like pickle juice. And so, I mean, hmm. I'm, I'm the one who's going to eat your, um, uh, uh, the, what are those popsicles made out of dill pickle juice? <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. Oh. I know, you would like, you're a sugar person. I mean, I'm not. So, I mean, I love... We in this household we save the juice from the pickles after the the pickles are gone, and I right. drink it, and I drink it. I love it. So, I'm a I'm a natural customer for your your product too. The biggest the biggest problem we have with pickles is getting the lid off the jar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, bang it on the tape. Bang bang lid. That's what I tell people. You just you bang it gently on the side of the counter, and almost all lids open. It. I just, we do lids all day long here. You know, putting them on drawers, and we get customers saying, "I can't get a lid off." I'm like a quick bang, and you get it. Well, okay, I have a, uh, a metal thing that um, I guess is used for tenderizing meat, but mm-hmm. I I just hit the top of the lid with that. And uh, so you assault you assault, you assault the jar. Yeah. <laughs> you assault the well, jar with, a, turns out with a, meat a lot of people are, <laughs> a lot of people are turning and it works on the metal, but a lot of people are doing plastic. What happens is you do you you tear the plastic on it, which makes it very difficult to use. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah, so, then you can't even get it to turn at all at that point. But, well, are you just going to keep making new products, or what? What are you going to do? Well, if my if my branded sales manager had our way, we'd be doing about ten new products a day out here. <laughs> really? <laughs> but you, but you guys have been in the industry as long as I have. It sounds like, and you know, launching new products is expensive, especially when you're a small company. So, you know, oh, yeah. we we don't just we don't just come out with ten new things and throw them at the wall and see what sticks. You know, we're not giant like Stone Location. They can just endlessly come out with new things and you know see what works, um, which is great if you can do that. But you know, so we have to be very careful and very thoughtful, and we you know we send samples around to key customers beforehand to see if they like it and to make sure we're on the right track or what we're doing before we come out. You know, we got a steak sauce coming out soon, for example, and we put it through the ringer to make sure it's, really? you know, it's what, yeah. It, it, well, it's, you know, that, that's another um, niche where, I mean, we, we get so many of those things, um, seasonings and sauces for steak, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, there's nothing that makes any one of them stand out. <laughs> the problem, right? There's, there's yeah. one intrigue. There's one intriguing flavor that you, that you might want to try. It was been a big surprise for us, and we I use it um, most of the time on steak. It's a Japanese barbecue sauce called oh, yeah. Banchan. B a c h a n, I think. Banchan. That's, that's, we use oh, wow. it on everything. 
I think yeah. it means it, I think it's Japanese. That sounds delicious. Rules. It's great. It's a family <laughs> oh, recipe kidding. or something. No, no it's wonderful. Banchan. No, I was just uh, I was just saying I was just saying to Jonathan, it's Banchan. I think is Japanese for mother-in-law. Huh. Oh, 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 oh. So it, and it's not being meant as a as an insult when it comes to that uh, to that product. <laughs> hey, watch it! I'm a mother-in-law. <laughs> Although, I mean, I admit I would not like to have me as a mother-in-law. I mean, I oh my goodness! Very, well, that's I'm very, realistic that's very about that. <laughs> I don't like her as a mother-in-law either. <laughs> oh my goodness! You guys, you guys are so funny. <laughs> how, how long have you guys been married? Uh, we're going to actually be having our 50th anniversary this month. No, this month? Yeah. The 22nd, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's, I know. Well, the 20th, you, mean, uh, you mean of June or of May? June. June. Oh, in June. Oh, okay, it's so not this month. month. Next month, June. Next month. 22nd. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, the 22nd. that's amazing. What's, so what's the what secret? You, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, mm. I don't, I don't want to even tackle that one, Remy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might be here for another hour, right? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, like, it's like McDonald's. It's the sauce. Uh, the, special, the secret sauce, and we can't tell you what's in it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like that. Unless we've we've made everybody want work. these products. So how, how do people go about getting them? So... It, you know, uh, there are two ways. They can email us with their zip code, and we can tell them if there's a store next to, uh, close to them, and that information is on our website, brownwoodfarms.com. Or uh, you can go to iGourmet, which is our online retailer that uh, sells all of our products uh, to consumers. Who is that? Uh, iGourmet. Are you aware speak, of iGourmet? Speak, speak it louder, Jonathan. Oh, I'm sorry. I gourmet. It's basically gourmet with the letter I on the front. Oh, I gourmet. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, anyhow, congratulations on finally getting this award. And, well, um, thank you. Yeah, and and it, you've been wonderful to interview. I knew you were going to be fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I have I, I have this fantasy of going up to the award ceremony in New York and pulling a Sally Field and being like, "You like me? You really like me?" <laughs> <laughs> well, well, keep up oh the, the good work here, and um, yeah, keep us posted on what you're doing new. It sounds like me, like you're probably going to be doing new things. Who knows? We are. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll definitely keep you in our in our yeah. rotation of. Uh, we don't we don't have much because we don't really spend a lot of time on that, but we'll definitely keep you posted. Great. Well, thank well, you I again. Yeah, I appreciate and, you reaching uh, out and even and finding out about us and reaching out. That well, was a, you know, a I'm, I'm on the, the media list for um, for the fancy food shows, and so um, I get all manner of, of info, um, but I also get all manner of products, and you, you've no idea how many out there are terrible. <laughs> oh, I oh I bet. And you mean when they send you samples and you're like, oh, I'm I'm not going to talk to these people because it tastes awful, sort of thing. Oh right, I mean, <laughs> there's yeah. some really bad things. Though I must say, not 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 a product. I mean, not a, a mm-hmm. food product, but the, probably the biggest shock I ever had was a device called a um, avocado pitter. <laughs> uh. 
I actually have one of those at home where it speaks oh, it and it cuts it and and it cuts it and it takes the pit out and you know it's like three different sides or whatever. To it. I actually I actually use that thing on a regular basis. Oh, this one was different sizes. They're all. <laughs> I didn't oh, understand no. what the point was. You know, you have to actually well, cut the. I mean, once you cut the avocado. How hard is it getting the pit out? I know. <laughs> I know. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of tools created for needless things. You know, it's like there's one little thing oh. to create a whole tool for, and then you end up with your tool drawer full of 500 things. You don't even remember what they do, right? I, you know how people do these gift listicles, you know, the, about what, mm-hmm. what to Anyhow, uh, I, I did one um, for a, a, a daily um, a, a, a Tribune article, uh, Tribune Review article, and and I I found the silliest things I could, and put them into a list of gifts and guesses. <laughs> and <laughs> you know you have no idea what's out there. <laughs> you just oh, have I, no idea. Oh, I I see. I try not to go down those rabbit holes because it's just people trying to sell you stuff you don't need. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of things that kind of talk and make songs and things too. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, my favorite kitchen gadget of all, though, this is one of the things I actually bought from one of those listicles. It's a boiled, hard-boiled egg cooker. A what? It's a hard-boiled egg, egg cooker. So it's a little round oh. device. It's like 20, 20 bucks on Amazon. You, you put six eggs or however many eggs you want in. And you pump I have one of those, and I've never used you, it. I have oh one. Oh, my gosh. You put, you put some little water in the bottom, you press the button, you walk away, and they're done. It's like well, I'll, I'll try it. I have one. We we, I have, we use it every day. Actually, it's like one really? of the few things we buy. I have eggs like every day, but it. I just never yeah. thought of, of using it. Um, yeah. I I have I've had a number of gadgets that just yeah. have a very short transit to our house. And <laughs> yep, before they make it out to Goodwill or somewhere else, right? Uh, well, I have kids. You see, I pass them on to the kids. Hold, hold on a second. What, what, why, why don't we let Jonathan go invent another food product? <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Very They're good. like, well, how do we get this schmuck off the phone, man? I'm telling you. <laughs> just keep I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, you, you can come for dinner anytime you want, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. I would love that. That sounds like fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking right. to us. It was yes, fun. of course. All Thank right. You. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. You can't ask that question because I didn't hear it. Okay, how long in total would you estimate? Depends, uh, depends how interesting you are. <laughs> so about five minutes is what I'm hearing. <laughs> no, no, that's all being recorded, which is good. Anyhow. All right. Eric Ursher, we're going to talk about your product, your company, Zoop. Um, a great name. <laughs> how did you come up with that name? Well, I wish we had a good story for that one. But before we opened up our first restaurant, we were capturing names. And the one thing we knew was that from the street, because, again, we started as a restaurant business, from the uh-huh. street, one needed, we, we needed people to identify and understand what we were, what we did, but at the same time, it couldn't be so descriptive that we couldn't trademark the name and protect our, 
and protect our rights under the name. I see. And so we whiteboarded and whiteboarded and whiteboarded, and I'm telling you, the minute we wrote Zoop, we were done. We continued with the exercise, but we knew we found a winner. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a great name. I, I really like to lock up our attention right away. Um, so you're, this restaurant, tell us about how you started this. Where did you come from, anyhow, in, in, in terms of interest and um, training and stuff? Yeah, it was very linear that I would end up in the soup business. As I look back now, it's like totally a straight line. Um, starting in college when I was cleaning ventilation systems in restaurants. And then I sold that after college and started running out of money, didn't know what to do. So I did the scariest thing I could think of, but that which I (laughs) thought would provide security. And I went to law school. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then (laughs) I was practicing for months and the partners came in and and they said, are you sure you want to do this? You're not very good at it. (laughs) <laughs> and it felt it felt like such a relief. It was like, oh my God, it's not just me. Like they see it too. I I would sweat <laughs> through my undershirt, my dress shirt, and my suit. It's a, it's a bad look. It's really uncomfortable. And I think it was a pretty good indication that I needed to find a new profession. Yeah, did, so, did you hear the latest un, to underline your conclusion, which which is that the guy who was sentenced to eighteen years in prison yesterday. Went to law, Yale Law School. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah that oath keeper guy. Oath keeper yeah. guy, yeah. That guy is yeah. The funny part about it is yeah. nobody so far has mentioned that another great alum of Yale Law School was Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're very different. And Bill, Bill was was in um, Yale as well, right? I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, but well, anyhow, um. Yeah, it, I, I actually um, contemplated law school briefly. Uh, I took the, uh, whatever, the entrance exam. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, got, I passed that. And, and I, my main interest was in um, intellectual property. But I couldn't figure out how to skip the, the whole first year of law school, <laughs> which right, is the one right. I hated. <laughs> oh, it was, that first year was, that was, uh, it was, it was really tough. And I'll tell you, for, for me, I, I went back five years later, um, and the school I went to was kind of referred to as a weeder school. And I remember during orientation, the, the professor that was doing the orientation said, look to your right, look to your right, look to your left, one of you will be gone. And I was sitting on an aisle. I'm five years older than everybody else, and I'm sitting on an aisle. I got... So it was definitely a, it was a tough year, head down. I uh, didn't have a TV. It was before Internet, and I just, you know, for the first time in my life, was a pretty good student. Well, interesting. So, but Practicing law. Practicing you, law was another story. Yeah. That I did not – that was not as good of a fit. So after, uh-huh. uh, after they kind of gave me the heads up that I might want to start looking around, I joined my cousin <laughs> who had – um, his father and he, his father passed away shortly thereafter, but the, he started a small spice business. So I stepped in, we built that. Um, and then one of our customers who we were selling spice blends to wanted us to make a soup mix. Well, that was ah. easy. So we made them a soup mix and then they wanted us to make them a ready to use frozen soup. So we leased what was ki- formerly the kitchen of a closed down general motors auto plant in Detroit. 
we leased the kitchen. By the way, the, the rest of the space was leased to the Detroit Police Narcotics Division. And so we made <laughs> friends with some of those guys. We went on drug raids. It was great. And then I got married. And that was the end of the, that was the, end of the drug raids. Go figure. <laughs> so we started making soup for this particular customer. And, um, and then we, we created our own line of soups, certainly not the quality that Zoop is known for today. We competed on price. But it got us into a lot of back doors of restaurants, and it gave us a, an, an opportunity to see um, what kind of soup they were serving. And it seemed as though, for them, soup was an afterthought, a way to use leftover ingredients to make soup. Oh, sure. Or, yeah, they would serve similar, you know, soup of similar quality to that which we were selling back then. And so we started asking around, and the consensus was clear that good soup, really good soup, was hard to find. I, I, would, I would note that that good, really good, that is the line name of our soup and broth and culinary concentrates that are on the market today in about 15,000 uh, grocers around the country. Really? Wow. Good, really good. That's where it came so this, from. It's part of our founding story. This really took off, though, huh? You, uh, you well, know, it's, we, it's, you, you, you took a challenging um, niche that was bigger than a niche uh, when you were up against Campbell's and Heinz and what's that chicken broth that we used to use we, all the time? We used to use collagen, but then we... Collagen, right. Then, then we did, but then, then we, we tasted it. Then we had something with swan. Something had with swan, swan in it. Swanson. Swanson was the other one. But I was yeah. raised... My my mother always used bouillon cubes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but you've you always know, had, had really... something like this. You had to have something That's like right. this to cook. Right. So you know, we, we have an interesting graphic we used to show that would show the evolution of broth, and it was cubes, and it was cans, and it was paste, and it was cartons, and now we are able to offer uh, really good uh, broth in glass jars. And uh, when we came out, we promoted and, and still do that it was the first broth good enough to drink. But just to be clear, we didn't start off in the retail business, in consumer packaged goods. We started off with one restaurant, and, then, and that was Zoop. And the concept is that we had 12 soups. They would rotate every day, and that was from a list of 200 soups that we made wow. in our little commissary. Yeah, Yeah, so... No, it went well. People liked it. We ended up opening five company stores in five years, and, and then we started franchising, and okay. we got it up to uh, over 100 stores. And then last May, just, uh, just the beginning of the May, May 22, um, we exited the business and sold to a company called WowWorks. And now they are the owner of the restaurant and the franchise business. And so we're out of that business. We can focus solely on consumer packaged goods and getting good, really good broth and soup and concentrate in the, all the grocery stores around us. But that's really, that's very good. Um, it's a great backstory. <laughs> I didn't expect to have one so filled, packed with drama. <laughs> oh, there was a lot of drama. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and by the way, when I, when I first started talking and I talked about it, it was, you know, my, the career path was linear. I, uh, I, you know, obviously now was being sarcastic from cleaning ventilation. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. <laughs> it wasn't very linear yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, so, um, now, so where do you stand with as a company with Zoop today? 
you do um, retail. Yep, we're just retail. So that is um, that is our that is our sole business, and uh, we make, market, um, and distribute uh, a line of good, really good broth, including bone broth and vegan broth, and a line of nine uh, really good, ready-to-eat soups in glass jar. We created those soups with inspiration from. Uh, the recipes that our customers loved over the last 25 years. So it definitely is a point of differentiation. There's, there's other glass jar soups out there, but none of those, no brand, can claim that they served a million bowls of soup every two weeks, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, with real live people, and glean that kind of, of feedback and, uh, and are able to impound those experiences and consumer preferences into products like we are able to do today. Now, I, and that was I thinking that it was this was a soup Nazi on Seinfeld who invented bone broth. Um, it's funny because it was the soup Nazi on Seinfeld that really did launch a category of restaurants. You know, there was a ton of them in New York, um, obviously ours, and a few more around the country. We were fortunate to um, be the only ones that were able to franchise and really get national exposure for, um, for the concept. Uh, it's a challenging business, the restaurant business that is. And that, oh, yeah. The, yeah, I it, did that. I did no that when what. I was really young, so I didn't have to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's it was tough. a nightmare. And we had seasonality, right? Like uh-huh. we would slow down in the summer. Uh-huh. So that was um, – you know, there were there was definitely a lot of challenges, but you know, I've been surrounded by great management teams and great franchisees, and makes the difference, all the difference in the world. Now, what is it that makes bone broth and chicken broth different than chicken soup and beef soup, or just broth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so broth um, would not be associated with having any particulates, any other ingredients in it, um, okay. whereas Soup would have ingredients, and then differences between between broth and bone broth and stock um, are slight. Um, yeah. So you know right. you can look up culinary definitions, but at the end yeah, of the day, it, they're it, all very. It's very, really very, a marketing tool, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, there's technical aspects to it. The you know how long they're they're um, simmered, and the amount of bones versus meat that are used to make, you know, whichever kind of broth it is. But at the end of the day, it's, it's very, very similar. I mean, especially with the, the extra health benefits, I think that's public relations, period. Well, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I think about when during those four minutes that I practiced law, uh, at, um, you know, before <laughs> they came in the office and said, you shouldn't be doing this, um, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, I would go into the little kitchen and, and I would get a cup of, uh, of Lipton chicken soup and I'd add hot water and that's what got me through the day. You know, it was too late for coffee. So mm-hmm. I, the point is that I think it's, it's, um, I think it is relative to what the alternatives are. I know that the broth that we sell is uh, wholesome. It does purport claims of protein, gut health, collagen, and so um, it's, it's a lot better than having many, many other things. 
but and it tastes do, great. But you do you do strain it at the end. Oh sure, yeah, it's finely strained. Well, now um, tell me again, like how how do you market it? I mean, what is you can't just rely on the fact that it's the only soup in glass jars. No, we don't. When we first came out to market, whenever we would have a sales call, we would take a we would take um, a sample of our broth and then the leading competitors, and we would do blind side by side taste tests with the buyer, and it was great because it was the first time. It seemed like it was the first time people really started tasting broth. I think up to then, it was an ingredient that you would just add to rice, that you would use to add savory elements to the slow cooker, that you would use maybe to make soup. But people didn't. People thought of it as an ingredient, not standalone, so they didn't take well, it. Well, no, it was also it was a, um, a, a remedy for illness. I mean, that's how I got it as a kid. Anytime sure, you were likewise. sick, you got broth. Like, yeah. Yep, likewise. You know, Jewish penicillin, I think, uh, yeah, it right. would be referred to. Um, yeah. So yeah, there 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 are those um, those benefits as well. But for us, we're really about flavor, and so that's how we came to market by getting people to try our broth. When we did our yeah, very no, the first flavor shows, is really exceptional. I think. I mean, it it's, um, it tastes artisanal, and it, I mean, it really isn't. Is it? Well, it it is, and it, and it took us a year to develop the recipe. And when really? we first started doing food shows, we would, again, take our product and the national brands in our booth, and we would provide buyers and anyone who was interested the opportunity to taste the different broths side by side. And I think that it was through that, and then I think through media and just, you know, increasing popularity, I think that's really how we, how we got traction. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Now, here, now here's, here's a funny thing for you. We... We, we we read lots of cookbooks around here, almost as many cookbooks as you make soup. And we and we, we 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 got one that was what was it? Turmeric, wasn't it, sweetheart? What? I don't know what you're talking about. The 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 uh, the, the not 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 Lebanese. Oh, you're talking about your fav- your famous um, uh, chicken soup. Yeah, but what what? what Turmeric was the mystery ingredient. Yes. I forget where it was from. Moroccan. No, Lebanon. No, no, no. You mean Moroccan? Mm. No, no. It was, it was, it was, I think it was Lebanese, wasn't it? Something. No, it was the country like... God, I can't I remember. I can't remember. Oh, Yemen, Yemen. It was Yemen. Ye- Yemen, Yemeni. Yeah, Yemeni chicken right. soup. It has turmeric in it. I'm sorry that the uh, soup that was Yemeni was not yummy. Tough break. <laughs> Did you make it? Did you try it? No, that was not on us. No, <laughs> Peter, that's not on us. So, um, tell me again how many soups you make. So we have a line of nine soups. Nine, okay. And they are and- all unique. One of the things that we had the ability to do was glean from our past and what we knew what we know resonated with our customers coming into all of our restaurants. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a, there's another brand out there and they're just Italian. And then there's another one in glass jars that's just uh, vegan or vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And so we're the first line that really is able to offer something for everyone. 
So as we take a look at the marketplace, we look for white space and varieties that we know people have enjoyed over the last 25 years that just aren't available on grocery store shelves today. Give me an example of what you're talking about. One of our soups is, um, well, it was intended to be chicken enchilada. However, uh, USDA wouldn't allow us to use the word enchilada because <laughs> it is a, it's, a, it's a defined term, um, and, and it requires the product to have mesa corn, mesa flour, and the soup didn't, so we couldn't use the word okay. enchilada, so we had to use the word chilada, and we gave it a TM. Um, so it's chicken chilada. People seem to understand it, and it's, got, it's full flavor. It's full of really good stuff, um, and it's been you know, very popular. Uh, there, you, you did get something out of law school, I can tell. <laughs> I learned to stay out of trouble with the USDA naming the small, the small print you got from law school. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to fight with anybody. If they say no, it's a no. We also have done, you know, other unique ones. Uh, we have a, a, a chicken and rice cauliflower, so it's low carb. Oh, it's really satisfying. It's unusual. It's different. And then um, yeah, we have we a... Have, uh, we didn't get one of those. Should we have it? No. We got the chicken pot pie soup. Oh, we got chicken yep. pot pie. I knew there was another one that was kind of unusual. That's right. So butternut squash. Um, we've got chicken noodle coming out, spicy black bean chili, the portobello What's mushroom What's different bit. about chicken noodle? How, what can you do with chicken noodle soup? Well, you know, one of the things that we were so excited about for this chicken noodle, there are really a couple of elements. Number one, we use our chicken broth, which is time-tested and very well-liked, the flavor profile. So we're able to main, maintain that flavor profile which, you know, it's like that, that grandma flavor that we talked about earlier. And yeah. then we were very, very deliberate about the noodles we picked because it's shelf-stable and it goes through retort, which is just heating it up really hot in the glass. We needed a noodle that would maintain its integrity. That was a lot of work. And then we just kept it really simple. You know, this is not sort of a, this is not a chicken noodle with a twist or our version of. This is just solid Good. chicken noodle which we believe all of our soups are soups that are served the way they should be, soups as they should be. So for us, it's about just taking it all the way back and having really kind of um, solid, um, very accessible, very familiar flavors. And that, that was part of the inspiration in these lines. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mentioned um, your, your mushroom soup. Now, that is traditional. My mushroom soup that I'm so proud of is not traditional. Um, mine uh, calls for wild mushrooms, and uh, the secret ingredient is a couple of... Ooh, tell us. Hmm? Tell us the secret ingredient. Let's make it not a secret. <laughs> Let's hear it. The secret ingredient was um, a, a sweet, sweet vermouth. vermouth, two tablespoons uh, of sweet vermouth, uh-huh. and a yeah. lot of onions. But anyhow, right. no cream, no cream, because you know mm-hmm. most mushroom soups though have cream, which yours does. But you use yes. portobello mushrooms in yours. We do. Yep, we use a mix of mushrooms. Well, which is a, a perfect example of of the importance of public relations in marketing. <laughs> no, no, I have, a, I, have a, I have a technical question to ask. Well, let me finish with this about oh, the portobello mushrooms. They're nothing but overgrown button mushrooms. 
right. and, and, but they were marketed, and and you couldn't you couldn't unsee portobello mushrooms now, especially stuffed ones in restaurants. Right, and I, I think there's like three versions of the same. There's button, there's cremini, and then portobello. I think they're the same mushroom, but they're different of different ages. They're different ages, right? Yeah. yeah, the the buttons are usually white, the cremini are usually brown, and the portobellos are overgrown. I saw yeah. a cartoon and make, once. And they make great soup. Yeah, well, they do. They do make great soup. Now, here, here's, my te- here's my technical question. And this is, this is an observation, and it applies only to the mushroom soup. But how do, you, how do you get the last little bit out of the jar? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. You broke up. I'm sorry. How do, you, how do we, I'm sorry. How how do we get, get what? The, la- the last little drop of mushroom soup. It sticks to the glass in the <laughs> container. And, 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 you, and yeah. you, don't, you don't want to waste it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so should, should, you, should, should I do what I did the other day, which is, Put a small amount of real, really hot water in it, and then shake it like furiously. <laughs> no, that sounds awful. I'm, I'm going to suggest a really long spoon. <laughs> <laughs> we have a nice teaspoon that should work. Yeah, a nice teaspoon <laughs> should work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you if you say so, I'll I'll bow to the expert. Yeah, now, tell, I just, tell me. Why is it that people are so over the moon about the fact that it's in glass, Eric? About soup in glass? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting because we saw for many, many years the sale of soup declining in grocery stores. And it was driven in part by the decline in preferences for cans and condensed soup. And that drove the market, still does. And we've always believed that people want soup, they want really good soup, but they may be less inclined to eat their food out of cans. Yeah, I agree with you, because I don't like the food out of cans. And 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 you know what else? The same thing is with, when you buy really good, um, uh, uh, like anchovies or any kind of fish like that, from Spain, it's in jars. Right. You know that's that so, really that's, yummy tuna. That you know that tuna in the glass jars. It's like a completely different product. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I yeah. never thought of it before, but that's your marketing edge. That's amazing. So, so I mean, but your you flavors, know, when we first came out, yeah, your flavor is your marketing edge, really. Our our flavor is why we're in business. And when we first came to market, we knew we have a we had a differentiated product, and we knew we wanted to have a differentiated package. And even though glass is more expensive, it does seem to be a favor by many consumers. It's sustainable, and it just promotes that, that higher quality that, um, that our brand and our product stand for. Right. You're right. Um, but in, in terms of, like, if, if you had, like, a list of um, popularity, where where does your soup fit against the biggies, like like the, the canned stuff? Oh, we're 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 just a blip relative to yeah. relative to the big guys. Um, you know, we make our soup in relatively small batches, 
It makes a difference for quality. Um, we spend money on more expensive, uh, higher quality, better flavor ingredients. Yeah, I think. And and you know it's it's a huge market, and there is there is a place for everybody. We just want to make sure that for consumers that have an affinity towards Zoop, consumers who are more critical and aware of the ingredients that are put into products and then into their body, um, those are the consumers that seem to be very well aligned um, with our brand and our products. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find your soup, um, since I've tasted it, of course, too, but also in this packaging, I find it all very trustworthy. So, I mean, I feel like I'm getting something that I can trust. I really appreciate hearing that. You know, we've been in the soup business for over 25 years, and that is, you know, um, without tooting our own horn, um, but here it comes. Here, you know, everything before the butt's a lie, so here comes the, the, the horn tooting. Um, we, um, <laughs> we are really proud of our products, and we are very grateful to hear you say that because being trustworthy is something that we take seriously, and honestly, we believe that we've earned. Like I yeah. said, we are the only, the only brand that has served um, a, a million bowls of soup every two weeks, year after year after year, directly to people. And so we talk to them, they talk to us, and we've been able to glean insights that we believe just wouldn't otherwise be available to us. Well, you're very convincing. Again, your law school background helps. But tell us, well, tell us as we sold the law school. Or, I don't know if it's a law school. I really, or I just really believe this stuff. I like yeah. to think it's the latter. I'm just joking. I mean, because I'm, I know you are. I'm joking. But um, now we've convinced everybody that they have to get this. Uh, can you tell them how? How oh, do you sure, get it? Yeah. Do you have a many, many store locator on your website or what? There's a store locator at zoopbroth.com. And Zoop we're at um, zoopbroth.com. Okay. Z O U P broth. And we're at. at uh, almost every larger retailer. Um, not in Publix yet, but we hope for some good news very, very soon. But every other retailer pretty much uh, will, will carry our products. Uh-huh. So it's not a hard sell. It's not hard to find. <laughs> no, I mean, it's also not a hard sell to get these large entities carrying your product. Well, um. I wouldn't say it's been easy. <laughs> you know, it's it's taken years and years. And, you know, we show up when they do their line reviews. We show up every year. We will talk to anyone who will talk to us. We're, we try to be really good partners and provide the promotions that are appropriate for, for their locations. And we try to get the soup into their mouths. And more than anything else, that has over time been the major point of differentiation for us is flavor. And the buyers, uh, the buyers know it. Yeah, I mean, I, w I was really kind of astounded at the flavor because it was so real and it was so, you know, grandma. Yeah, I mean, it really was amazing. Uh, so, thank you. Appreciate the encouragement. Anyhow, listeners, seek it out. Eric Archer's product called Zoop. With, is the exclamation point part of the, the name of the brand? It is. Yeah, it's part Good. of the brand, Zoop. 
It, it, it doesn't really appear, good. though, in the, in the URL because you can't do that. Can't do it in the URL. No, okay. cannot. So, and that's zoopbroth.com, and you'll find Correct. out where you can get us. Well, it's been a delight talking to you. (laughs) And Peter, you guys, I love your energy. Thank you so much for for including us uh, uh, this afternoon. I really enjoyed it. And you talk about energy. You've got a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) Only when I talk about this. Thanks so much. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye.